It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 422 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This week I have a great conversation with Brandon Rhinus from Higher Universe Comics. We focus in on two of his offerings, and that includes Chainsaw Reindeer and The Boy with the Balloon for a Head. The two are very creative storytelling, and I really enjoyed them, and they're quite different from each other. We talk about how both those stories came to be, as well as what else Brandon's up to, which you can check out at thehigheruniverse.com and on Facebook. He's got a lot of interesting things to say, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome to the podcast Brandon Rhinus, creator of The Boy with the Balloon for a Head, Misfits, Stargirl, gosh, all kinds of good stuff, including Chainsaw Reindeer. That's that's what we have to talk about. How are you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to talk with you. I'm I'm fascinated because you're not only a comics creator, but you're also a, a do the visual medium as far as like uh, directing and, and good things like that. Talk about that. I mean, the, which came first, the comics or the the uh, directing and good things? It's it's almost hard to explain, but I, I I got into comics before I got into making movies, but I actually got into filmmaking before I got into making comics. Um, in my younger days, I kind of dabbled in filmmaking, but I didn't really take it seriously. Um, I kind of made some really bad short films and just kind of did it for fun. And it wasn't until about 2013 that I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start taking this creative stuff seriously and you know, see if I could do it as a career. So at that point, I figured comics would just be easier to start with because I didn't need a huge team of people and I didn't need you know um, insane amounts of money. So I started making comic books and... Um, you know, I got good reaction to it, and some of them were kind of popular, and people liked what I was putting out. And from there, I decided to, you know, I, I hadn't done any screenwriting or filmmaking in, you know, almost a decade. So I started screenwriting again. Next thing you know, I started selling scripts, and then I was, the next step was, hey, I should start making films. And then I started making films, and now I'm kind of, you know, juggling all of it. Wow. Well, that's good. Creative stuff. I, and, you know, Jeff Johns was, like, uh, involved in movies before he started writing comics. So you're in good company. Yeah, yes. So that's good. So, so uh, let's see. You have a comic company. Why don't you tell people what the name of the company is? Uh, it's Higher Universe Comics. Mm-hmm. And you have a website. I think it's Higher Universe. Is it comics.com or just higheruniverse.com? The higheruniverse.com. Okay, gotcha. All right. So uh, as always, you have to fight for the, the proper uh, yeah. <laughs> IP address and stuff like that. So I was noticing online, they mentioned that you've had like 25 uh, comics of various lengths that have come out so far, which is a lot. You know, when you think of it, that's quite a lot of good comics to go. And uh, I'm, I'm really fascinated because I got to read two of them, The Boy with a Balloon for a Head. And I also read Chainsaw Reindeer, and you were telling me before we started to record that uh, Chainsaw Reindeer is the one that seems to be the biggest one that you've done. 
Do you want to talk about that? What, what's because I'm a big Christmas fan. I, I listen every night when I go to bed. I listen to Christmas music, and this isn't quite the kind of thing I might want to listen to when I go into bed at night. Some people might, but not me. But uh, talk about Chainsaw Reindeer and you know where it came from and, and what the story is. Well, basically, the story is um, one of Santa Claus's reindeer has had enough of Santa Claus's abuse. And one day he just snaps, he kills Santa Claus and then grabs a chainsaw and goes on a worldwide swath of destruction, basically killing anyone in his path. The whole thing it kind of came about, I've been, uh, you know, I've been writing a lot of comics, some of them I publish myself and some of them I get hired to write. And, and even a lot of the stuff I was reading, a lot of them very you know deep stories and complex stories. And a lot of them were, you know, kind of longer arcs and you had to follow along for like six or 12 issues to get these long stories and I kind of just had this idea I want to do something completely opposite I wanted to have something there was just one issue long virtually no story it was just all anarchy and chaos just basically the most fun thing that I could write that you could read in like two minutes and and it would just be like pure just fun and ridiculousness um, I had the name Chainsaw Reindeer kind of kicking around in my head for a while so I was like all right you know let's go with that mm-hmm. so I wrote this story um and kind of honestly, like only kind of the first four to six pages is actually a story. The rest of it's just, you know, kind of random violence and destruction. And I did it just to, almost like an experiment to, to just kind of break every rule. And, you know, it's like I don't want to have to follow any sort of structure or do things correctly. I just wanted to kind of do whatever the hell I want and not have to think about it. Is, is this a reindeer we know or is this one of the ones that we aren't familiar with? This is – he's not named. I'm figuring it's uh, – one that isn't known. Maybe Santa Claus goes through many different reindeer, and this is just a nameless reindeer who um, happens to take up the mantle of uh, the chainsaw, I guess. Well, the thing that interests me is Santa doesn't live up to his reputation, according to this story. Uh, you know, the nice guy, big fat man, you know, and all those good things. And, of course, we're talking about this when it's not Christmas season. So uh, this came out before Christmas, though, right? Yes. Okay. So Yeah, was- Santa Claus is a little bit evil in this. Uh, he's not the nicest guy. He kind of beats on his reindeer and you know yells at the elves and uh he kind of gets what's coming to him you know i got a overall like the the response i got to it was actually like far more positive than i thought it would be there's a few people that kind of take offense to some of the stuff in there particularly you know the violence and that kind of thing um it wasn't nearly as much as i thought it would be but yeah i just i wanted to just kind of make something almost not really purposely offensive but i just didn't want to have to care about anything like that and just kind of just make something and I could, you know, not be limited. And uh, I was quite happy with the way it came out. Part of me, when I was writing it, I just I knew, I'm like, man, this is going to get me, there's a good chance that everyone's going to hate this and it will never see the light of day and it'd be a huge mistake. But the other part of me was like, I think I'm onto something here and I have the feeling that this is going to like respond to an audience. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, this is like the first comic I wrote that got picked up by a bigger publisher and, mm-hmm. you know, actually went worldwide. That's mm-hmm. because I did notice that wasn't through your company; it was through Action Lab. Have you been submitting these to other companies as well as uh, thinking about doing it under your own banner? Yeah, um, I've submitted like some of my other comics to publishers, and they've kind of passed on them for whatever reason. Chainsaw Reindeer, I initially published it under my own um, company, but then it actually there was a, another publisher got, I signed with, but they kind of um, basically went under. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like right, right around the same week they were supposed to publish it. Mm. So I got the rights to it back. It started from square one, and luckily I found the uh, the kind people at Action Lab to take over. That's cool. Now I I have to say, it reminds me very much. There used to be a video game in which there was a hunter hunting deer, and all of a sudden I saw an alternative one, and the alternative one had the deer with the rifle, chasing the hunters. Oh yeah, and it was a you know it was it was it was comical in some way because there's the the deer running through the the forest, chasing after these guys wearing the bright orange colors, of course, so they don't get you know somebody else doesn't shoot them, but he's looking for that, and he's trying to find them, you know, kind of a revenge kind of a thing, and I I got a kick out of it because it wasn't what I expected, and I got that same kind of vibe from your book. It wasn't what I expected. You know, it was usually Santa Claus is extremely benign. You know, the reindeer are all very nice, except the only thing they don't like is they don't like somebody that's different, apparently, Rudolph points out. But, <laughs> but your book is a very different take on the whole thing. It's Santa, and, and I know there, there, there are a lot of folks who look at people in authority as that they present a certain image, but then when the time comes and you really get to know them, they aren't that person at all, and I get that session, you know, that, that feeling from this book in the sense that uh, Santa is, you know, don't believe the hype. He's very different than than what he goes, and I, I, I just have to wonder though, with this, if Santa's dead, what's going to happen to Christmas? Have you thought about that? Um, had not thought of that. Maybe if I ever do a follow up issue, maybe we'll we'll get into that. But um, you know, I can imagine that. Santa Claus in this in this universe has his own kind of corporation set up um, to you know make and distribute all these toys and stuff. So he probably has like a successor in line to to take over. Maybe one of the elves. I guess you know, not to ruin the story, but the reindeer kind of does away with most of the elves. But um, I'm sure someone will step in and uh, you know they'll keep the whole operation going with some new uh, security protocols. I guess. Now, the one thing that, that I got a kick out of, I, I'm always intrigued when people take animals and, like, anthropomorphize them, make them more human-appearing. Mighty Mouse, I always looked at him, and I kind of thought that was odd that this mouse could stand on his back legs and stuff. And you actually kind of go that same route with the reindeer. He stands up, and he looks like he's wearing jeans, and he's able to hold the the chainsaw in his hands talk about doing that was that you know did that make it more relatable i mean you know because i uh, you know having hands and fingers and stuff is not what i usually associate with a reindeer so is this something you explain or is this something that just kind of happens and it's a happy coincidence as far as the story goes i think it's just something you're not supposed to worry about like he, he had to be anthropomorphic from day one just for the story to work um but as far as how he actually operates it it's like eh, i don't know i don't think it's really important uh you know magic maybe that's the answer and it just it's just one of those things where it doesn't really stand up to scrutiny like a talking reindeer doesn't anyway it's just it's like yeah that's just the way it is and you know you gotta just kind of deal with it i guess it's a christmas miracle <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the the story in the sense that you know, I, I usually am a very plot-oriented person, and so I'm always going, like, where are we going with this kind of stuff? Your book, I had to kind of turn that off and just kind of go with the ride, you know. It, it, <laughs> you you actually show him as he go, goes around the world and, and deals with certain cultures, you know, kind of poking fun at the different cultures that he goes through. And so I, I found that fun. Uh, was that on purpose? I mean... 
because a lot of people, you know, Christmas is kind of a a wintry thing, and it just seems like this goes on past the winter in the book when he goes to other places and things like that. Was that intentional, or did you intend for this to be considered like purely during the Christmas season? No, I, I imagine it takes place over a long period of time. Um, so by the end of the story, they kind of say basically like he's defeated uh, like armies of the world that came after him. Mm-hmm. So it probably would have had to take you know a year or so just for you know him to battle his way through you know every country's military and you'll know, kill all the people and and all that stuff. So I see it taking place over you know quite a longer period of time. We just only see snippets of it, kind of him and in each country and you know i kind of just went and had fun with like okay well if he's in england like wh- who could he kill there well the queen maybe he does something with big ben maybe one of those guards with the big furry hats uh, you know what, what about france well maybe a mime and the mona lisa and it's like what about egypt well maybe a mummy and some camels you know i just kind of went uh, you know in ireland it could be a leprechaun and so i kind of just went through and just found the most fun things you know in las vegas it's a uh, you know, some rapper guy and a boxer and uh, in L.A. it's a movie director. And, uh, you know, I just kind of had fun with it. And, um, yeah, I think I think it worked for what it was. Yeah, it's, you know, if, if you like that kind of thing, I, I like, like I said, variety is the big thing for me. I want to read something that's different. And this book is different. And I enjoyed the seeing of something that was less plot oriented and more in its own way fun comic it's not that it's you have to kind of get into the spirit of it which is a funny thing to say about a christmas book that like this you have to go with the flow and kind of think okay this is what's going to happen and just kind of see what he does with the situation and i i got a huge kick out of when he when he he ends up in a boxing ring at one point for example (laughs) which i found funny you know because I, i didn't expect that that half the fun with this book is to go places you and to do things you don't see very often. There used to be a comic movie that came out and and it did terrible things to Barbara Bush. I remember the end of the movie is her hanging over the side of a of a, oh, yeah. a building. Naked Gun Two. Yeah, yeah, Naked Gun Two, and beating up Barbara Bush because <laughs> you know I think of if. Even if you're not a Republican, you have to kind of respect her and on some levels. But when she gets beaten up all the time, and I mean, there's a lot of fun to it. You know, it's fun to, to to poke holes in the sacred cows and stuff like that. And that's what happens in here. I mean, I, the Queen, yeah. the the whole thing. When whenever he goes places, it, on some levels, it's minor levels. It's educational because we get to see <laughs> what he destroys when he goes places. One of my very favorites was when he goes to Scotland. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he runs across something that's well-known in Scotland. And I and what he says made me laugh out loud. I don't want to spoil it because I think it's fun to read. But it was just – that's the kind of funny thing that goes on in this book. And I, I just really enjoyed the way things are going. And every once in a while he yells out, die. You know, he really just I – mean, he even gets in, into space. <laughs> which I found fun. There was just a whole lot of crazy stuff going on in this stuff. And, you know, the, there's all kind of conferences trying to decide what to do and armies just fall down before him, basically. He just cuts through them all. And the, it comes to an interesting place that, let's just say that it it doesn't end where I expected either. There's a box and stuff that asks, it says, probably not to be continued. If you want more Chainsaw Reindeer, write to the publishers. 
have people been writing to the publishers? I don't know. I haven't asked them, but uh, you know, I've, I've seen people people like posting on social media or just like messaging me. A lot of them are like, even if they like it, it's like, oh, it's just leave it at the one. You know, that'll make it special. And mm-hmm. other people, other people want more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe one day. It's honestly, it's really expensive to to make a comic, but um, so I don't know if it's worth doing more. If I just like. It's like it's one of those things. We'll see. Maybe one day I'll do one, but for now we'll just leave it with the the specialty of the the one. See, I'm trying to figure what you would do in another issue of this, because you really pretty much cover the bases. <laughs> I mean, he goes all over the place. I mean, there are probably other cultures and stuff that you could, you know, have him go after. But I mean, he goes. You mentioned England. He goes to the Vatican. He goes to India. He goes New Zealand and China and stuff like that. He, I don't know where else he would go or what else he would do in a second book. But, but that's why you're the writer and I'm the reader. <laughs> yeah, it would take some thought. Well, I, I think it says in there that uh, he's killed like you know three billion people or something. So you know, I guess there's still like half the world to to kill. But uh, yeah, I, I imagine the world. You know, if you lose that many people, I, I think the world would be a changed place so you know maybe we can get into that and it could be some sort of like futuristic mad max type world where you know everyone's kind of you know basically society as we know it has crumbled you know maybe something along those lines but uh i will see i'm open to open to ideas if anyone has any (laughs) well i i enjoyed the sheer I don't want to call it silly, but there is just – it's got its own sense of humor to it. And you have to kind of enjoy seeing, like I mentioned, the sacred cows getting, getting uh, uh, I'll say, injured at least. And you get to – you have a lot of fun with a lot of things. And, and you know, I, I worry in an era of political correctness that this book might not get the the – readership that it deserves because some people say oh no we can't you know you you can't be you know harming other people you have to be very nice and considerate of other people's feelings not in this book that's, yeah that's not here <laughs> i think it's I, I was expecting more people to kind of be offended by it and i didn't really get i think it's just because it's so ridiculous and so over the top that it's you know like what's the point of pointing out that it's offensive to to someone or someplace when it's offensive to like every possible thing you could imagine, right? I, I think people see the joke in there. Like, I honestly, I didn't really hear any sort of accusations like that. I think people, even if they didn't like it, I think they get what I was going for. And you know, it's not really offensive when you think about it. It's it's obviously completely tongue in cheek. Yeah, and it, it's it does have a couple of messages in there. Like I was mentioning, don't buy the hype on necessarily just because something is considered nice and friendly and stuff that may not necessarily be the case and when people are threatened you know they they're going to try to fight back and and i guess the thing too it, it says that if you start doing bad things to people and things that trust you uh don't expect that to go on forever yeah it's kind of those kind of things go on that's, that's those are kind of the messages i got when i was reading this book and, and it's nice to see something different you know, because like I said, Christmas to me is a big deal. I'm not a big Santa Claus fan because I never believed in Santa Claus. I went to the store with my mom one time. She bought all this stuff, and that stuff ended up under the tree on Christmas Day. <laughs> so, and I knew my mom wasn't Santa Claus, so I, I, I knew the Santa Claus thing was kind of a myth. For, so, I, you know, somebody who may have actually fully believed in this might find this a little more, you know, uh, <laughs> 
uh, off color, shall we say? But to me, I didn't. You know, I found it funny because I'm not ever buying into the whole thing. I found out this 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 is a, a an interesting twist and a, and a a very funny way to go and and interpret Christmas. So I really enjoyed the book. I I'd like to see you do more. I, I'm I would be just curious just for any no other reason maybe than just to see what else you might do after this. I I think that would be fun to see. Well, thank you. We'll see what happens. Now I do have to ask one more thing. Of course, you being the director and involved with these things. Any chance that you might make an animated Chainsaw Reindeer? Oh, that would be amazing. I would jump on that in a second. It's just a matter of, you know, massive costs. You know, I'm trying to raise money for 10 other projects right now. So it's a one day that may happen, but it's probably going to be like many, many years from now. But uh, I would love to see that happen. <laughs> well, it's because, it's, you know, there are music channels that, that do the let's say, non-standard Christmas music, shall we say. There are, you know, this Christmas at Kmart is one of the songs, and, you know, and all these kinds of things, you know, uh, uh, Christmas in Jail. There's all these different kinds of takes on Christmas. This one could be one that, that people who enjoy those songs, and I happen to be one of the people who enjoys those songs, could really get a, have a fun, this, this is the cathartic kind of release to, to read this thing, because it's just... <laughs> it's... Like I said, silly doesn't quite describe it for me. I, how would you describe the the humor in there? Is there a tone you were working for? Honest, uh, I don't know how. I did. Honestly, there was really nothing like that I was working for, other than just completely freeing myself of any sort of having to stick to any sort of outline or story rules or structure or any of that. So what came out is kind of just like here's you know here's what it is, and it's definitely funny in a you know dark comedy kind of tongue in cheek way. Yeah, I guess it's kind of whatever you want it to be. That's kind of what it is. I don't really want to think about it too much. It was more just like, here's a cool thing I made, and you know, kind of make up your own interpretation of it. Yeah, it's it's it's. <laughs> let's just say it's not your standard Christmas story, and leave it at that. I guess. <laughs> no. If you're in the mood for something different, it, that takes a different perspective on this. Boy, I would say Chainsaw Reindeer is going to fill that <laughs> very well. <laughs> now, the the other book that I got to read. And that was a very different from Chainsaw Reindeer is the boy with the balloon for a head. Oh, yes. And it's, you know, you have to change gears here because this is a, a very totally different series. You've got a boy and he literally does have a balloon where a head would normally be. Talk about this concept and where it came from. How did the idea come to you to make this book? Um, it actually it came from my... Um the, it was kind of like the other part owner, um, my co-creator, Adam Storischuk, who's uh, my co-creator. We started the Higher Universe Comics together. Mm-hmm. He was kind of just like doodling in his art book one day, and he came up with just you know, a few kind of strange characters. And one of them was, uh, I think it was, he called it uh, That Kid with a Balloon for a Head. Mm-hmm. Um, and something, you know, it's something struck me. And then so we started kind of talking about stories for it. And... I just kind of, you know, the story just kind of came together. Funny enough, originally, uh, he was going to be, like, uh, basically an evil character. Like, he was going to be some sort of killer or something. (laughs) That was kind of what I started brainstorming. Mm -hmm. And then the story kind of just, as I was putting it together, kind of took a different turn. And basically, he ended up being innocent. And it kind of hints in there, too, that people think he's malevolent, but he's not. And it turns out they're totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of that in there was 
originally even the part with the with, there's like part with the birds and a part with the missing cat originally he was going to be killing these neighborhood animals mm. but it turned out that he never did you know um, so that's kind of weird that the story just took that turn and then I, I changed the title to the boy with a balloon for a head just because i liked it better and yeah so we released it in, in three separate issues and then we put it all together into into one story and yeah it's a completely different kind of thing than i normally write but i've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it, and it's kind of a meaningful story and I like it quite a bit, and you know, there's a bit of a message in there and stuff too. I have to say, I relate to the story. I had a friend who let you think, if you assumed you were good friends with them, he let you continue to think that. And I got that same feeling, you know. The the he doesn't say really anything, but the interesting thing is that other people fill in the gaps. When they're talking with them, they kind of answer their own questions, and he doesn't really have a chance to say or, or respond in any way. But it's just, I, I, it makes me, it reminds me of that friend of mine that I had that made me think we're really good friends and all this good stuff. And then when I found out later on, he thought that we weren't really good friends when the truth came out. And to me, I, I, I came uh, reading the story, I could really relate to this. Because I saw these people thinking that he was what they wanted him to be. It's, it's a lot of what happens in there. And it's really interesting how sometimes how they react reflects who they are more than who the boy with the, the bloom for head actually is. You know, you, you see them, they, they look at him and just assume but they, they, there's a cigarette incident involved in the book and I just and what's funny is is that people just assume well oh my gosh yeah he just he's just naturally a bad person well of course he would have done these kinds of things I, I'm just always fascinated by the the the, the, the what the story kind of says because you know we, sometimes we have to be real careful when we're dealing with people that we don't necessarily project what we want them to be onto them that we ought to, we need to get to know them better and I think that was one of the things that came away with this book. It was really interesting. We've got to talk about the art a little bit because the balloon head is nondescript. There's like two eyes and it's like a straight line basically for the mouth. And it doesn't really convey any emotion. I mean, did you guys plan that? Is that what you wanted that to look like? Yeah, that's um, you really nail it on the, the head there. But, yeah, that was one of the things um, drawing it that I told Travis, the, the artist, that um, not only does the balloon boy not say anything for the entire book, but he also has no expression. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because several people, like after reading it, that have contacted me, they're like, oh, like, I, I love the emotion that's conveyed in, in his face. Mm -hmm. And I was like, weird, because it, it has no emotion. That was the whole point. But it's almost like you said about people projecting onto him. People assume like, oh, he must be so sad what, like, during this part that they see his face as sad. Or, you know, anger or whatever. But it's like, no, all it is is two dots and a straight line. Mm -hmm. But somehow people, like, still kind of, they project what he, what he should be feeling, which is kind of the point of the story. And you got it exactly right, is that, um, you know, even though he doesn't say anything, is it, this whole story builds around him by people answering their own questions mm -hmm. and just kind of, make, you know, it's like somehow he, he never does. He doesn't really do anything the entire movie or the entire um, book. But somehow that's like, oh, he's like involved in drugs and he did something horrible to the girl next door and all this other stuff that absolutely did not happen. It's just they kind of 
built up this you know rumor mill about him and and it's really kind kind of awful when you think about it because he never did anything wrong and mm-hmm. even the reader might think while reading it that oh maybe he did do something you know this stuff seems to be happening and then by the end you're like oh man I'm such a jerk because he's probably the most innocent character ever in a book and he had all this bad stuff said about him mm-hmm. it's what's interesting is how you know, there are bullies that come along, and what they talk about, they want to pop his head because it's a balloon and stuff like that. It, it was interesting to me that people, you know, they recognized who he was, and the people who wanted to do him harm, that was kind of the thing they wanted to do. They wanted to take what was obviously different about him and remove that from the character, which I thought was kind of interesting, because bullies often want to do that, you know, I I mean, we've all had experiences with bullies on one level or another, and it was really interesting to watch how that happened. Now, I I can't spoil the ending. The ending is really interesting. You know, the, this character that basically has not had much emotion, something happens at the end that, that wraps this whole storyline up. And I don't want to spoil it, because I think you have to read the book to get the impact, to understand what's going on with it. But talk with me about bringing this to a conclusion. What kind of, you know, how did you decide how this thing should end? Um, that that ending was kind of, it just seemed like the natural thing to me. That was kind of where everything was going. I, I never had another ending. And it's funny enough because um, some people get downright angry when they read that ending. And, <laughs> you know, they just, you know, it's almost too harsh. I even had one publisher contact me and they're like, yeah, like I like this book and they're willing to publish it, but they're like, you cannot use that ending. Uh, you have to change change the ending. And so I, I had to stick to my guns and I'm like, nah, I can't change that. It's just, that's kind of the way it's got to be. And I think if people really, you know, read and get into the story, they'll see that even though it's not what you want to happen, it's just, it just, that's kind of the way it has to go. That's just the story I wanted to tell. If I slapped a, you know, a Hallmark ending on there, it's just not going to have the, the same. Um, so it is kind of, you know, and just the fact that I struck a nerve with people that are like just that angry that that happened. You know, I think I think I did my job. Yeah, I, I think people got into the story if that's the case. Uh, fascinated. They did want a. I don't want to give this away, but they wanted a more positive ending. Is what you're saying they were looking for? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the ending, and I don't want to give away the their suggested ending because that might you know, hint at what the real ending is. So mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, the ending is what it is. And it's, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but it's, I think it's, it makes sense for the story. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got to the end, I responded to it kind of sad. I thought, oh my gosh, you know, cause as I began to realize what was really happening and, and what was going on with the character, when he gets to the end, I'm like, you're right. That's probably the only sensible way to wrap up a story like this is that. And it's interesting I heard you say that you really didn't have any other kind of ending for it. So that that's that's fascinating. I think when people read this I now when I interact with people after reading this, I look at people and think, Am I putting on them what I want them to do? And so I have to be careful. I think that that's the real message of this book is to say don't necessarily let make it be about you. Understand the person, you know, and think about that person more. I, I, I really came away with that message. I mean, is that, you think that's a legitimate takeaway from this book? Yeah, 
I think that's yeah, I think that's very accurate. It's almost what I was going for. I I rarely write anything with kind of like a definite message in mind. Mm-hmm. Usually, I kind of just write a story, and you know, and if you write a good story and kind of do your job, then you know, people will take a message out of it. And usually, the 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 message will be catered to that individual. Not everyone is going to have the same thoughts about it. But yeah, but what you just said is that's pretty much what I think the story is. This is probably the closest I have to having a a strong message in the, in this comic. And yeah, I think you kind of nailed it there. Yeah. It's just really interesting. I got to talk about the art some, because I think the art has a little bit of an anime style, particularly when it comes to faces. Did the artist go with that? Was that kind of the way that they, that you guys intended for the, because you know, in this book, facial expressions are, are critical because a lot of what's going on is communicated through people's expressions. Is that how you guys wanted to approach that? Because this is a drama story, very much. The artist, um, Travis Martinez, he's from the Philippines, um, so that's just his natural art style, Hmm. um, is that. And he did um, some other books for us. He did the artwork in uh, Mental Case and uh, a few of the later issues of Misfits. Um, and I just liked his style. It's kind of like it has like a simplicity to it, but you know, it still has emotion and uh, emotions in the faces and stuff like that. And it just seemed like the the logical choice for it. Like you know, the other artists I've worked with are all great. Um, I just thought Travis is kind of it's just the one I, I felt would base would best convey the story I was trying to tell. So yeah, it does have that um, you know bit of an anime feel to it, but it's um, it's it's still got its own kind of style. Now, I've got to ask you, you know, because I'm an editor on a book in which the character does not speak. And, you know, I always have to talk with the the author and the writer about it. And Did you find it challenging to have a character that everything was pretty much being said by other people? I mean, it must have been the temptation to make something, him communicate on some levels in there i mean was that as a writer did, was that a challenge to you how did that work I, I don't think it was too much of a challenge to make him not speak um kind of like having the whole story kind of revolve around him without him saying anything was a, a little bit challenging i did debate for a while like at the maybe the very end he should say kind of one thing or something but, mm-hmm. but then i was like yeah you know what? i think it's better if he doesn't say anything mm-hmm. i think like i'm um it's been a while since i've read it but i'm pretty sure there's a part near the end where Tasha, the girl from next door, says something to him and she hints that he has been talking to her. So it's not that he never speaks, it's just we, the reader, never hear him speak. But mm. he does speak, you know, to people when when we're not around, basically. So I think that's like an important distinction. Hmm, that's interesting. Because uh, I always assumed he couldn't or didn't ever do that, Was the way that I read it. But if he actually was able to communicate... That's that. That's an interesting take on the story. That's a that's a change in my my perception of it. That's so interesting. Of course, you know, I have to wonder. You know, we, we don't get it like like the reindeer anthropomorphic. You know, the boy with the balloon who really doesn't have eyes, and yet he's able to see where he's going and stuff like that. So again, this is kind of a you have to get in the spirit of the thing. You can't really want if you spend too much time looking at looking for explanations as to how this can happen, you'll miss the point. Yeah, that's. It's yeah. It was funny. There's even a. I saw it was like on Twitter or something. I saw people talking about um, how he was born. Like when he was born, was the balloon like deflated and then it slowly inflated as he grew older? It's like how does that work? And I was like, I honestly I have no idea. You know, I can 
uh, for your own imagination, I don't uh, I don't know the specifics of how a, a kid with a balloon for a head could uh, could be born, but uh, you know it's just one of those things. It's like if you think about it, then you're missing the point because that's you know it's obviously not realistic, but that's not the point of the story. Because you know, I I find as I talk with comics creators more and more, some people. <laughs> Like there was a, a one book I was uh, talking with an author about, and he was talking about the fact that there were anthropomorphic animals going around. There were tigers and other things. They were interacting with humans, just as if they were, you know, real. And and they smell lot. And people would sit there trying to come up with explanations for why that had become that way. And the author just said, "No, don't don't do that. If you're spending time doing that, you're missing the the what the tale I'm really telling." And so I, I got that a little bit of that same feel with this, because if you sit there trying to exp- come up with the physics of how it happens, it, it's like with Star Trek. You know, how does warp drive function? You know, I, I, there's uh, the guy that played William Riker uh, was on at a place, and some guy came. I don't understand. You know, the warp drive. This should do this and this. He started to sing Volare in a big loud voice, because he had no concept of what he was doing. <laughs> What the guy was saying, I got a huge kick, out. and that's what this too. I think some people bog down in the details, but if you do that, you're going to miss the really important point of the story. And so I, I, I like that about that. See, I like something that challenges my thinking. You know, I like things that make me wonder about, you know, and examine how do I do things as a result of that. And that's what this book does. It gives you a lot to think about, which you know I appreciate in a story. I. I there's not many like that, and honestly, a lot of comics is what my, my, some people call punching and kicking. And there's not a lot of thought going on into this, but this has a lot of thought behind it. And I think that if you get to read this, I think you'll come away, you know, with the the need to kind of examine yourself and kind of watch how you do it, and possibly in others too. We got to be careful how, you know, how other people react to us. Are they doing the same thing to us as they did to the the, the boy with the balloon for a head? Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost the opposite of Chainsaw Reindeer in that respect. Chainsaw Reindeer, I kind of wanted, I wanted it to be lighter. There's kind of no deeper meaning to it. Whereas the boy with the balloon for a head, there's a lot of deeper meaning there if you look for it. Mm-hmm. I loved the book. I really enjoyed it because, like I said, things that make me think are something I really treasure. It is so opposite from the other. The other you kind of have to shut off that that stuff and enjoy it. Now this one is very much different from that. And I like that about books. When you write, is that something you do? I mean, do you stretch different muscles when you write different books? I mean, are you looking to tell stories that are places you haven't been before? I don't. I don't make any effort at that. It's more just. It's kind of like whatever I feel like. Um, you know, sometimes I like writing horror. I like writing comedy. Some sometimes, like for my series Ghoul Squad, when it first started, I was like Adam and I were trying to make it a horror story, and it just somehow ended up turning funny. So it. Basically, it's a comedy series. Um, so it's kind of just wherever things go, I'll be hit with an idea. Sometimes things change as I'm writing it. And it's kind of very organic. Like, I never really set out, unless I'm hired to do something, I never really, like, set out to do kind of one particular thing. I just kind of let it happen and kind of go with the flow, and I find you get much better. Um, like, the projects turn out much better when it, you do it that way. Mm-hmm. Now, why don't we talk a little bit about the other books? You mentioned Misfits. What is Misfits about? Misfits, um, that was kind of the, or- the original one we started on. It was actually created by Adam back when he was in high school. He kind of had all the 
just drawings of the characters and, you know, their powers and that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until years later when uh, him and I met and, you know, it was kind of like, hey, I'm a writer and, you know, you can draw. So we should get together and we ended up making stories based on these characters. But it's uh, it's basically kind of like, you know, a world where, you know, superheroes are not a they're kind of more of a mundane thing. And they're actually like you can make a living as a superhero. Um, so it's kind of just examines their daily life. And part of it's them out, you know doing their superhero stuff part of it's them hanging out at the bar and you know trying to make ends meet and that kind of thing and you know just dealing with the the daily you know aspects of life so yeah that's that's pretty much what it is we got five issues of it out so far and hopefully we'll get to do more soon um i'm thinking of changing the title of it because there's just too many other things named misfits out there there's you know there's a that British um, superhero TV show called Misfits. There's the band called Misfits. Uh, mm. So um, I just kind of want to change the title, but um, but it's I've, I was I was shocked because I was kind of we start I think we started that one roughly the same time we started Star Girl. Star Girl got finished first, mm. first issue, but Misfits was still kind of one of the original ones. And honestly, I wasn't even really happy with it. There was a certain things that I, I wish I had done better and. Um, I remember even when we got the first issue done, I, I told Adam, I'm like, I'm not happy with it. Like, I think we should redo it. And he was like, he's like, you kidding? We like, he's like, we spent so much time and money on this. We can't redo it. Let's just put it out there. So we put it out there to the public and, and we sold like a whole bunch. And I was shocked at just the positive reviews it was getting. Cause I, I, I didn't really like it that much myself, but everyone else seemed to love it. And, and they seemed to love it for the exact things that I was trying to accomplish with it. So whatever I did apparently worked. And, um, you know, to this day, we still get people asking me when the new issue is coming out, which is hopefully at some point in the near future. But, um, yeah, we do have like on, on paper, I think we have up to like number 19 written. Like we have a quite a, on, quite a big storyline. It's just, uh, again, it's a lot of money and effort to, to get them out there. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned a, a book that I was going to talk about because, you know, talk about titles. There's a TV show coming with the same title as your comic called Stargirl. Yeah, that's another one. I'm probably it, originally we were calling it uh, Space Girl, and then kind of at the last minute before we published, we changed it to Star Girl. Yeah. I think I'm going to change the title back. To, I'm going to call it Lasha Trinity, which is the main character's name. Mm-hmm. Something like Lasha Trinity, Space Girl, or something like that. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's a Star, the Star Girl TV show. There's a DC Comics character called Star Girl. There's a mm-hmm. series of books called Star Girl, and it's like. You know, I just kind of want to differentiate myself, um, so I'll probably change that one too. But uh, yeah, that's, that's my sci-fi series. I'm actually thinking of, uh, I just published my first novel just uh, last week, and I'm thinking of doing a series of Stargirls n- novels just so I can uh, get the story out there faster and everything. It's such a such a fun story. I kind of want to do more with it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, I'm going to get how we can get a hold of these things. We'll talk to that about in a minute. But there's a couple of the books I want to touch on. There's a book called Skull. Talk about Skull and 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 what that's about. Skull. I actually I came up with um, a buddy of mine named Dan Judas back. I think it was grade eight. It was like a long time ago. Um, we kind of came up with this character together. He's basically like a vigilante. Uh, that has like a skull mask um, that he wears. I've always been a big fan of the Punisher. He was the first comic I ever bought, and I'm, you know, to this day, I'm kind of a, a fan. So he's basically like my take on the Punisher, and that was one of the first kind of like scripts I wrote. Uh, you know, scripts in quotation because it was horribly done. I mean, I was you know 14 or however old at the time, um, but I actually wrote like basically a full movie of Skull that we were originally going to turn into a book. 
or into a comic book. Um, so I was going to try to draw it, but it turns out I'm a bad artist, so that never happened. So it kind of just basically stayed on the back burner for you know decades until um, I started making the comics, and I was like, oh, I remember Skull. I was like, we should totally do something with that, and we found um, Brian Bicknell, that artist, who has a very unique style, and I was like, oh, that'd be perfect. So yeah, we published three issues of it, and and then you know as we were doing that, I looked up my old buddy Dan on uh, on Facebook, and I was like, hey, remember Skull? And I was like, I'm actually you know making it happen, and you know he was kind of thrilled by that, and um, you know it was quite a popular series. It's basically just like a harder edge version of a. Uh, of the Punisher, and uh, he's kind of a vigilante, but he's definitely more uh, psychotic. Hmm. Interesting. Now, of course, you've got uh, some of the other ones seem to be more horror aimed. You've got Elvis Zombie Goes to Prison. Oh, that's uh, that's not horror. That's totally comedy. Elvis is um he's a spinoff character from Misfits. Hmm. Um, the main kind of the main character in Misfits is Demon Man, and Elvis is Demon Man's uh, annoying neighbor. And everyone that read it just like loves Elvis. He's like so many people's favorite character. So I decided to give him his own spinoff book. Um, I have a few other scripts written that are. You know, some people just have asked to read the scripts, even though the comic isn't finished, just because they find it funny. Um, so I have those. I have three of those. But yeah, Elvis goes to prison. And just to be clear, this is not Elvis Presley, which mm-hmm. confuses people sometimes. It's just a a zombie who, who happens to be named Elvis, mm-hmm. and he doesn't eat. He doesn't eat brains or anything like that. He's just basically a reanimated corpse. Mm-hmm. We never explain where he came from or how he is what he is. It's just it's just the way he is. But um, yeah, that's a pretty popular comic. I really want to do more with him because it's such a hilarious um, character. Pretty much every day I'm coming up with new jokes that he could possibly say. But one of these days I'm going to, you know, just new scenarios he's in. And, you know, he always gets himself into the worst possible scenarios. And, you know, like winding up in prison um, when he didn't, you know, falsely convicted of 30 murders and uh you know this kind of the craziness he goes through it's, uh, it's such a funny character hmm. uh, and you have mental case talk about that one yeah mental cases it's actually it started as a web series when i first started um getting back into the filmmaking around 2015 um i met uh um afton rents she's a an actor and a um a stunt performer and, and a fight choreographer and she was just interested in being in something where she could act and have a chance to like, she's like, I want to be something I could fight every episode. So I was like, okay. So we came up with mental case together mm-hmm. and we made three episodes of it. You know, they're kind of like 10, 15 minutes each, something like that. And mm-hmm. basically she's just a very bizarre character and she gets into a fight in each one and, you know, she can kick ass and stuff. And uh, the first two were basically like done, you know, extremely small budget. We had a bit of money for the third one. Um, so it looks noticeably better. Um, we have plans to do more with it. It's just money and stuff comes into it. Um, but I wanted to kind of just tell um, another story. So I made a comic book of it. Um, and the comic book, like the cover is actually just a picture of the character's face, like in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interior artwork is done by Travis Martinez, the same artist as um, Boy with a Balloon for a Head. And it was kind of, I could make it a bit more bloody and violent because, you know, there was no cost um, to to be concerned about with a comic, I could do whatever I want and not have to you know, blow my budget. Um, so basically, it takes place before the web series does and kind of explains how she wound up where she is. Um, I think it's a really fun comic to read, and uh, yeah, I like it quite a bit. Okay, one more I, I, that I see. There's Bunny Man versus Sledge. 
this now this one I think is a horror one unquestionably. Yes. Talk about that. It, it, is this terror kind of stuff? I I'm not as familiar with the the horror genres and the subdivisions of it. This kind of feels like it's one of those uh, slasher type movies. Yeah, definitely a slasher. They're um, Bunny Man and Sledge. They're actually two uh, real movie series. I think there's three Bunny Man movie out, and then there's a movie called Sledge. I watched the, the films. I liked them, so actually I just reached out to the the producers um, of each of those film series and told them who I was. And I said I was doing a comic. Bo- I wanted to do a comic book of them fighting each other. It's kind of like a like Freddy versus Jason, but this is kind of like the B movie slasher version of it. Um, and they were both totally happy with that. And so, um, and both those movies are kind of cult hits. They both have their own fan bases. So I put this comic out and I wrote it myself. Um, the writer from um, Sledge wanted to write his own character's dialogue. Um, so he wrote that and I came up with a story. It's basically just like a, a corporate retreat, you know, a bunch of people for a team building retreat in the woods and they run across um, Bunny Man and Sledge, or um, I guess Bunny Man and Adam Lynch, and they you know systematically kill them all in the most horrifying ways possible. And yeah, that's a pretty pretty great comic too. If you like slasher type stuff, uh, you'll get a big kick out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, when I go to your website, the Higher Universe Comics, it's uh, it just says the Higher Universe, of course, as we mentioned, dot com. You've got a couple of other things that I I didn't see. But there's one called Alley Cats. Yeah, Alley Cats. Uh, I really like that one. It's pretty funny. It was I originally wanted to do it as an animated series, but you know, money was an issue again, so I just did it as a comic. And it's kind of just a whole bunch of um, one and two page little skits about these anthropomorphic cats that hang out. Uh, you know, they're kind of bums and they just hang out in an alley and they have different ridiculous things going on. I kind of want to do more of them. I really think some of them are funny and it has some potential. But um, yeah, I have some fans of that that comic too. It's uh, I think it turned out pretty good. Uh, Stoner Kid, what's that about? Stoner Kid, it actually just started as um, a picture that Adam drew. Like I had an, uh, this idea of a Stoner Kid in my head. Um, he's basically just this kid like with a huge joint. Um, so I, I got Adam to draw the picture of him. And basically most of what it is is just that one picture of him. Um, I started coming up with just little comic strips, just like him and one, you know, one to three word balloons of him saying something stupid. And I started a Facebook page, and you know, I got a few thousand um, followers on there um, where I just post stuff. I compiled them all into uh, a graphic novel, so it basically just has all the different comic um, strips in there. And I even did two episodes of an animated series. I found an animator here in Edmonton that um, was interested, and we kind of did a very cheap animated version of it. So there's two episodes of that that you could find uh, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's I, actually, I get started. He's actually one of my more popular characters, even though he doesn't really do much. It's just basically just that one picture with him saying stupid things, but people seem to get a kick out of it. Hmm. Now, uh, the last one that I see that we haven't talked about is called Brutal Jones. Uh, that's got to be uh, more action-oriented? Yeah, that's definitely, like, violent and action Um we had the, the two page, I think it's one or two pages um, that are on the website as kind of like a preview. We've never actually gotten around to making a comic. Um, mm. I have a bunch of episodes written of it. I got like six of them. They're actually really good. Like I'm really excited about getting them made. It's just, you know, it's another one of the hundred things I got on the back burner that will one day see the light of day. 
Um, but funny enough, that's kind of the one people go to the website. I get asked about that one the most, I think, that, you know, where can I find it? When? When's it coming out? And the answer is one day soon, I hope. Okay, yeah, because if you look under, you have a, a tab for characters, and there's a whole bunch of characters out there that we, <laughs> we could spend days talking about them, I think. There's a, if you want to take a look at them, there's very individual ones. There's, <laughs> there's one called Hypnotic Pants Dancer. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those, um, I think more than half are pro- probably just ridiculous things that Adam Storzchuk mm-hmm. kind of invented um, that we put on there, and some of them will be worked into stories later. It's basically just to kind of show different different stuff we've thought up. Some of them might not go anywhere. Some of them already have or might. Um, the list has grown. We haven't updated the site in a while. Like, like I just have so many more kind of projects that are just kind of percolating and, you know, waiting to, to come out. But we just kind of threw them up there just to, you know, people can look at them and be amused if they want. Yeah. So if people want to get your materials, we mentioned several of them, do they go to thehigheruniverse.com to get them? Um, you can check it out if you want. I'm, I'm more active on Facebook and stuff. There's a Higher Universe Facebook page, and I got most of my projects themselves have their own page that you can go to. That's probably the best place to stay up to date. Um, but if you can go to Comicsology or Amazon, basically anywhere you find comics and stuff, I'm, I'm on a bunch of those platforms. So if you just kind of Google the projects, they're, they're not hard to find. Okay, very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my book. It's called I'm Haunted. It's actually, if you go to my YouTube channel, just look up Higher, Higher Universe on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a, an ongoing web series called I'm Haunted. I just released my first novel mm-hmm. um, just last week based on that. And I got a movie, my first kind of big movie called Hotbox. It's, it's a full-length stoner comedy that's supposed to be out on Amazon either today or sometime this weekend. So it's basically any day now uh, mm-hmm. we shot. At 2018, and uh, so keep an eye out for that, and be sure to you know rent or whatever you got to do to watch that on Amazon because it's uh, I think you're gonna love it. Okay, sounds good. Uh, anything else that that you can talk about that we should know about? Uh, there probably is, but I think we covered a whole lot. Um, you know, people got a lot. If they're interested, they got a whole lot of reading and watching to do. So maybe just kind of start start okay, there. You know, we can follow my Facebook page and keep up to date on stuff and. Uh, you know, let me know what you think of anything you read, and I uh, hope to hear from people. Do you guys go to conventions at all? No, nah, not really. Um, yeah. I, I sometimes I go to just to check stuff out. Honestly, I just I'd rather walk around and do stuff than sit behind a table and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm always working on so many things. It just seems like I'm my time you put better to use just meeting people online and writing new stuff and promoting new things and that kind of thing. Maybe one day when I'm when I've grown my fan base a bit more and stuff, that might be worth doing, but traveling is expensive. I mean, I'm up here in Canada and it's just, you know, it's to travel with the States is just, you know, not really my budget at this point because every cent is being sunk into the movies and the comics. So, uh, gotcha. one day we'll see. Well, I always recommend if, if you get to go, I would say New York would be a place to go because they have lots of, they can show movies there and any kind of animated things and, and do the books and stuff as well. So that might be, if of course, it's a little tougher to get in that one because it's so big, but that might be one you consider because uh, it's it's a good place. So would you be starting at the top because it's a, it's a very well attended convention. But uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, it would be fun too. Well, it's been good talking to you, man, and I, I'm anxious to read more of your stuff. I'm going to start to. I, I've read the two, and now I'm interested in a lot, several of the other ones too. I'm going to have to get 
down and start reading some of those. So really interesting stuff. And, you know, it's been good talking with you. We'll have to do this again when some other stuff starts to percolate and, and there's other things out that you want to talk about. Because I think that you do things that scratch that itch for variety for me really well. So all I can say is keep it up and I hope we get to talk about other things soon. Yeah, definitely. Let me know what you think of anything else you read. I'd love to hear your opinion. And thanks so much for having me on the show. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News. Interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. And that's a wrap for this episode. Be sure to be back next week when we'll have more interviews and other good things. But until then, keep reading your comics.